Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Welcome back to the Open Mic Broadcast Network. It's time for us to talk some football with Coach Heist Northern. Coach, how you doing today, sir? Oh, everything pretty good. Uh, like I say, ripping and running with the kiddos and uh, had a chance to go home and spend some time with my dad and try to try to do some upgrades around his house. But, uh, uh, you know, it, everything's fine. Okay, look, I, I, I hear you talk about your pop a lot. Your sister went to Grambling. You went to Southern. Who does pop root for? Man, to be honest with you, I, I – I think most of the time, uh, he went to school at Gramlin for a while. So, you know, I think he loosely pulls for Gramlin. And, uh, you know, depending on who Southern playing, he doesn't root against Southern, but he'll pull for them. Uh, he'll watch LSU, but he don't pull for them. You know, he, he one of those old uh, old South Louisiana guys that wasn't afforded the luxury that had a chance to go play football or baseball there. So uh, he'll want He'll watch him on TV, but he don't pull for him. Okay, then. Okay. Now, I already got a feeling, man, if he went to Grambling and your sister went to Grambling, he pulls for Grambling, man. So I will leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Coach, we had some very, very uh, interesting ball games this past weekend. We'll go over that and then the week that lies ahead. What was your assessment from the weekend in the past? Well, like I say, some of the games were a little bit closer than a few people like. You know, the, the Florida and M fans didn't like the way they started off against Texas Southern. The uh, Southern fans didn't like the way they started out against uh, Bethune. So, it, and uh, and the Jackson game, even though Jackson was in control of the game, I think the Tiger fans would have liked to see way more points put on the board than what they did. Uh, put up, and then I understand Jackson was starting a new quarterback uh, for them, so that may have played uh, something into the way their offense was playing. Okay, okay. So uh, overall, it kind of laid out the way you thought it would. I kind of went out on a limb, thought that Valley may have been primed for the upset, but nonetheless, we're still talking about Valley, and therefore we have what we have. But when, when you look at it, were there were any outstanding breakouts from last week's performance that you uh, took notice to? I, I wouldn't say any any breakouts. Uh, like say with Jackson starting a new quarterback, this kid is a I ain't gonna say a little bit more. He's a lot more athletic than the first kid that had been playing for him, but he doesn't bring the accuracy in the passing game. He'll make some great throws. And then he'll overthrow a guy by five yards that's wide open, you know, th different things like that. And, you know, the kid hadn't played. I think he started off at Syracuse and hadn't played in a while. But uh, at the end of the day, he's a good athlete coming back from injury, and that may give them some spark uh, headed down the home stretch, depending on, you know, what they decide to do with him. Are they going to try to zone read quarterback power? 
uh, maybe some some uh, midline type of stuff, getting them to the edge, uh, or are they going to let them try to drop back and make some quick throws and then maybe take advantage of some of the shorter DBs that they're going to play against because Jackson does have some good-looking wide receivers out there. Right. Well, with the east side of the conference, we know that FAMU is in the driver's seat. And mathematically, A&M still has a fighter's chance of creating some havoc with a little help with FAMU stumbling. How do you see FAMU uh, finishing the East and the rest of the season? And how do you see A&M trying to project themselves? Well, it's one of those, uh, if, if I had to look at it, I see it's one of those, you know, foot in the grave and the other one on the banana peel for the Bulldogs and, and everybody else on that side because of the simple fact that uh, FAM does have, they in control. So unless they just totally fall apart, which I don't see because of their defensive line, then, uh, you know, like I say, they, they might have a chance, but, you know, it, it, it's not a, a, a big chance. Or, uh, it's not a fat chance. It's a, it's a real slim chance, as they say. Uh, only in theory, right? <laughs> they, they say only in math they have a chance. Mathematically they have a chance. But like they say, realistically, I don't think anybody on the East has a chance unless, like I say, something major happens with those two defensive tackles or, you know, two quarterbacks go down and now they down to their third guy. Right. Now, we know that the West has yet to be determined, and I've been trying to, I guess, add a little extra motivation. Uh, Coach Simmons let out what I would call some bulletin board material a couple of weeks ago, stating that he projects to see FAMU and Southern in the championship game. And all my guests that I've been having on, I've been asking the same question. As a former coach, as a former player, do you take that as a personal challenge? Do you take that in any kind of salty way that he would make that statement? And then backed up with, yeah, I said it. Well, the the thing about it is you have to, like I say, you have to look at context. Now, did he say it? On a press conference call, did somebody catch him maybe saying that to Coach Dooley after they played him down in Baton Rouge, like, hey, we'll see you guys again, you know, all those types of things. And he may just be looking at, okay, here's the teams that are left <clears throat> on paper. Southern may have been the best team that he had played up until that point. Now, he hadn't played preview yet, so that's, his thoughts process may change after that game, but at, at the end of the day, man, you go into every game trying to find the little nicks and nags that, you know, that'll put a little chip on your shoulder, you know, the fact that he formally coached that preview, but none of those guys that are there now play for him, you know, just all those types of things that, you know, we, we try to make up motivational uh, bulletin board material, but I don't think that it's going to give the guys that preview anything extra because he said that. Like I, like I always say, at the end of the day, a pregame speech or a motivation, unless guys just talking a whole lot during the game, it by the end, middle of the uh, first quarter, all that stuff done wore off, 
and now it's down to reading your keys and blocking and tackling. Right. Now, with Bubba being part of his former staff, and now he's the head man in charge, as a coach, do you take that any kind of way? Now, because I, I'm pretty sure Bubba probably looks at it like, you know, that, that, that guy, quote-unquote, gave me a chance or he let me stay around as an assistant coach when he easily could have got rid of me when I was assistant on another staff and he kept me around. So Bubba may have a little bit of, of thankfulness for that opportunity then because without that opportunity, he wouldn't be there now. But I don't think he's going to go in there thinking anything less of, less of himself or, um, you know, less of what his program is. He's going to go in there trying to get his guys to win one football game on that Saturday. Now, after that, everything else is out of the window. But he just needs to win one football game by one point. It don't matter all the other stuff that people may say or the bulletin board material and all that type of stuff. It, when the game start on Saturday and Sam homecoming, uh, I I would be thinking we have as good a chance as anybody else. And the thing you have to think about is homecoming. So hopefully – uh, those guys are enjoying themselves and not focusing on the Panthers coming to town. Right, right. And it's a huge game in all aspects of it because Prairie View, and you're going to use your term mathematically, still have a fighter's chance of ending up on top in the West, but it's going to start with them taking care of business this weekend against Sam U. They had a bye week, uh, a salty taste in their mouth with the last time they were on the field against Houston Christian. Putting on your coaching hat, Coach, uh, what do you uh, get rid of first? Do you just, okay, we, we blew that game, it's over with. When do you get that out your system, and when do you, with the additional week, just try to get it all behind you moving forward and refocusing on this week at mission? Well, it, it sort of depends on their practice schedule, during that bye week, did they work out on Sunday or Monday? And they may have practiced taking a day or two off and go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and get the guys a break to maybe go home and get their legs back under them, all those types of things. But, you know, sometimes that bye week can be a little bit tricky because those guys that are hurt, they hurting a little bit more than they would be during the school week. Sometimes if you're coming off a loss, going into a bye week and I, and I, don't want to sound crazy, but sometimes if you're coming off a loss going to a bye week, that may be the most violent practice that you may have since you went in training camp, if you understand what I'm saying. So those practices may be way more physical, especially at Tuesday practice, than what you because you know you got about a week and a half to get those guys healed up if you go at if you go at it pretty hard, but yeah, I, I had a coach. His philosophy was: if we lose, we go that Tuesday practice is gonna be absolutely miserable because they don't want to practice like that again on another Tuesday because it's gonna be uh, maybe it may be a lot of hitting during practice. It may be a, a little bit longer, and we probably gonna run if you're a team that don't condition during your uh, workout program. Uh, weightlifting time, then they're running after practice. It's going to be a lot more intense. It may be a little bit more time. Uh, when I was at Grambling, sometimes 
we would have a almost like a do it over, and we wrote that into our practice script. Like if somebody made a mistake, we was gonna do it over, or everybody was gonna run a gas, especially after a loss, and you have a bye week to get sort of healed up for. So I would imagine, you know, I don't know what their practice schedule was, but I would imagine uh, it was some miserable guys uh, on their Tuesday wins or whatever they they did have practice. Right. Now, in the case of Prairie View, uh, some of the tackling has not been as solid as you would want to. And some philosophies of coaches is that tackling drills are for the preseason. When you get a bye week like this, do you implement more, as you stated early, physical tackling drills to kind of sure up some of your tackling opportunities? Yeah, and I, it, like I say, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be very physical, but you may focus on the technique of it. A close quarter tackle. Okay, let's make sure we're taking the right angle. Let's make sure we're uh, stepping with our lead foot. Uh, and it's, and sometimes you don't have to take a guy to the ground, or you may let your let your second running back get a little bit, a third team running back get a little bit more work than you know if you got some established guys that's playing real well on the offense side of the ball. You don't want to get banged up. So it, you you still want to focus on the tackling, but in close quarters, you don't want guys running at each other like they on kickoff, but you let's work on our angle tackling here, but let's work on creating turnovers, but a, a lot of it, when it comes to tackling, if guys are missing tackling, tackles is usually a, a lack of speed or a lack of technique. Now, if you got guys that are scared, no drill in the world going to fix scared, and some guys may be you know, you see the cornerback talking about their cover corner. Now, at the end of the day, you got to get that man on the ground. Covering is, uh, yeah, you want to be able to cover, but it, it football is getting people to the ground. And you don't have to be running a lot back there, but you have to get them to the ground. Absolutely, absolutely. Talking with Coach Heist Northern, our football expert here at the Open Mic Broadcast Network. Now, the Jags, they are in great position as well. Uh, they're coming off a victory, not to the satisfaction of Jag Nation, but uh, how are you assessing their matchup against Texas Southern this weekend? Well, I think it's going to be two teams that are still struggling to not necessarily find an identity, but find out can we win a game still. Uh, now, Texas Southern offense been playing pretty good for the most part, but they've been struggling in the second half of some games. Even the preview game, they played pretty good for, uh, I would say, three quarters, struggled a four quarter. Same thing last week. They were up most of the game, and then they ended up uh, not being able to finish uh, Florida and m out. At the same time, Texas Southern, in my opinion, has one of the better-looking defenses uh, if you talk about just personnel, in my opinion, if you're just looking at bodies for bodies, but it's their first year in a system that's very different from everything that everybody else runs, and that may be why sometimes they struggle in the second half, which, you know, I, it's sort of, I guess it's hard to explain how you play so good against some teams for a half, and it may be because they don't have a whole lot of depth those guys get tired. And at one time, I know they were rotating a lot of guys in on the defensive line. But, you know, I don't know if that rotation has been cut down 
uh, or what, but they, they've been struggling uh, in the second half against a lot of teams. Southern, on the other hand, started off slow against Bethune, and then both their defense and offense made some, some plays for them in some crucial situations. Um, and, and both of them, they're going to have to cut down on the penalties uh, for, to come out victorious because some both of those teams can, you know, get into the personal foul, the holding at the inopportune time, and the worst penalties are the uh, pre-snap penalties. I think Southern's defense had at least three outside penalties, uh, and Bethune turned one of those penalties into a touchdown because the linebacker jumped outside. Everybody on the defense stopped thinking that the play was going to be blown dead, and Bethune hit him for like a 60- or 70-yard touchdown. So uh, the penalty is going to be a big part of the game. Absolutely. Now, we know that, um, once again, the term mathematically, Grambling's still alive. How do you assess their matchup this weekend? Oh, man, I think <laughs> I think that's going to be a tough one, too, for the Tigers. I, I believe – that they gonna, I I pretty much I would say I think they gonna have a a good game. Bethune is playing better, but sort of can they get over that hump? Now Bethune switched quarterbacks, and they're playing a guy that is not not the most athletic guy. Now he'll scramble and make some plays. Like I say, he can hurt you, but he's not gonna beat you. The teams that pretty much have beaten Grambling are teams that have quarterbacks that are very good runners of the football. So Bethune doesn't fit that mode. They have some good receivers. But I, I think Gramlin's going to be able to contain Bethune's quarterback. And, and if Gramlin quarterback go back to playing like he played against Prairie View, then I'll get a Tigers a nod on that one. Okay. And we mustn't forget the brothers on the reservation, man. What do you think about their assessment for this weekend? Um, they have Pine Bluff. Am I correct? Yes, sir. So uh, it, it's almost that same thing where Alcorn is going to be able to run the ball. Pine Bluff is going to be able to run it as well, but maybe not as good as Alcorn. And then Pine Bluff is their their defense can be – they'll take advantage of some situations, but I just don't see them being able to stop the run good enough against Alcorn to win that football game. Okay. So uh, when we look at this uh, final turn, if you would, headed for the stretch of what appears to be a very accelerated season, man, this season seems like it's just going so fast like a vapor. Um, when you look at, in the case of Prairie View, and just to be flat out honest, if they can't win this weekend, all hopes for them winning in the West will practically be out the window. Is that safe to assume? I, I would assume that, yes. Okay. But like I say, you know, the thing is, they still have to play Southern. If if Prairie loses again, that helps Grambling. And it still almost might come down to the winner or the loser of the Bayou Classic being a spoiler for Prairie View, if Prairie View can go beat Southern, and then Grambling takes another uh, quote-unquote upset loss. Okay. So See, now like that's going to get you all crazy. 
Yeah, man, you, you got to have a second math degree. Like I say, I only have one, but that second one, when it comes to all those time, the time breakers and all that other kind of stuff, uh, is is it, it'll keep you up at night once you get past that first and second time breaker because now all of the head-to-heads are thrown out. I think it goes head-to-head, then divisional opponent, then it gets into scoring and, you know, point differential and all that other kind of stuff. Right, right. Well, Coach, I know you keep abreast of things that are going on um, throughout collegiate and in the NFL, and I'm not sure if you have a comment, but I'll ask you anyway about the somewhat of a battle of words between Steve Smith and Mr. Uh, Jerry Judy. Um, Smith, you know, got his creds and uh, gave his opinion on that he maybe felt that Judy was underachieving and then the response back from Judy. A, uh, what do you think about that? And B, do you think people have become a bit too sensitive these days? Well, I think the guys that are currently playing have to understand that the former players or news media guys, they have a job to do. And when you're a first-round draft pick, they expect first-round production no matter who the quarterback is in some instances. And, like, I heard Judy say it's a lot more to it than me getting open or running the right route, or, you know, it's not like he's dropping a lot of passes, but it's the wide receiver and the running back role is dependent on a whole lot of other things. So the wide receiver, he's got to have a good offensive line, a good quarterback, and a good play caller. The running back, he still needs a good quarterback because if you don't have a good quarterback, that a good receiver that can back up the secondary, now you're going to see eight-man boxes. Nine-man boxes, you're going to see more blitzes. So all of that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. So what's, I think what Steve said may have been correct, um, but the, the, the situation may not be the best way. Or what, the way he said it may not have been the best way. And then guys, they get in their feelings once you say something about them or, you know, sort of that don't talk to me. Uh, type of attitude, and from what I understand, Steve tried to apologize to him, not apologize, but say, hey, here's what I mean, and uh, Judy wasn't trying to hear it, but, you know, to each his own, like, say, you know, say what you want and stand on it. He put an address on it, so now he got to live with it, so um, I, I see nothing wrong with what he said, because I'm pretty sure Steve Smith is not the only person that thinks that way. Right, right. Well, it's just a time of sensitivity these days where um, when you're basing it off of stats and facts, is it really talking about someone or just repeating what the numbers say? Well, he like you say, he put a name on it and the guy took it personally. So, you know, it it, it is what it is. I, I don't think he's the only person that felt that way. And, and I know a lot of people if you're going by just stats, like the number of catches, how many does he have, and is he's playing on a struggling team, it's not going to be good either way. And then some people say, well, they need to force him, force feed the ball or come up with some routes 
to get him open, you know, all those types of things. And that's not the type of offense that they run. It's they more concerned with a system as opposed to let's get one guy some touches and then everybody else, once such and such get their touches, then, you know, somebody else may get two or three here because because we're feeding Judy the ball so much, this other guy going to come open off of this route combination, you know, those types of things. Okay. Well, they say the saga continues. All I can say is they they get paid enough that if somebody got an opinion about me and it's not stopping my checks from clearing, they can say whatever they want to say. Just let me try to figure out a way to become a winner and continue to get paid. Well, they say you can call me what you want. Just don't call me broke. <laughs> well, in my case, Coach, just don't call me late for dinner. That's yeah. <laughs> well, look, Coach, uh, do you have a game of the week that you're going to be focused in on for this week? Well, I'm actually going to Baton Rouge. Uh, Adam is going to visit Southern. They have like a high school day. So he is going to participate in that on Saturday morning. So I actually go to that game. But I'll be listening closely uh, to the Alabama A&M, Alabama State game. Uh, I'll probably record it and go back and watch it because that's another game. Like I say, I haven't been to it, but I definitely wouldn't mind going to it just to, you know, being one of those classic type of games. I, I want to go there, and I got uh, a Tuskegee game on my list that I want to go catch a game in Tuskegee just because of, you know, how old the stadium is and, and how much, uh, you know, people people talk about it in that area. Right. Well, I spoke uh, with a guy, Mo Carter, and I'm pretty sure you might be familiar yes. with him. And he's yes. been on both sides. He's been at the Alabama A&M uh, side of things, the ASU side of things, and of course as a player for Southern. And mm-hmm. he said um, if he had to put just people who can't stand each other, he said the most intense rival would actually be Alabama State and Alabama A&M because he said there's a family diversity when you come to Grambling Southern, and so they're a little bit more tolerable of one another. And I found that to be very, very interesting. And You've been on both sides of the spectrum when it comes to Grambling. I know you see the intensity of that. Um, you've seen the intensity of the Prairie View, Texas Southern. Um, and I'm pretty sure you would reach out and say that that Grambling Southern is probably a little bit more intense than that Prairie View, Texas Southern, to your opinion? Well, I think just because of the history of both of those football programs, uh, where both of them had long stretches of dominance, within the conference, you know, you think the history of Eddie Robinson, Ace Mumford, Pete Richardson, those guys, as opposed to you have to go back a good ways in, in order to find dominance in a prayer view uh, from the Coach Nick's era to pretty much anybody that's been there after him. And then Texas Southern doesn't have the football tradition of – a whole lot of schools in the conference. You know, if you think Texas Southern, you think basketball. But, you know, it's, it's still some hatred. But uh, this, And then you talk about where the game is played, playing in the Superdome. And I've been in there in a in a sold-out Superdome. It's, like I say, it's, it's nothing like it. Nobody in black college football can replicate that. Right, right. Well, uh, it, it does summarize great competition throughout our beloved Southwestern Athletic Conference. And I say more power to him. 
and let them do it another 100 plus years to keep the fire burning, man. That's all I can say. Yes. Coach, I want to give you some closing thoughts and comments for this week, sir, and the floor is now yours. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm going to uh, try to give you a couple laughs real quick. So, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about recruiting a little bit. So uh, one dynamic with recruiting that a lot of people don't think of is the in-home visits. So uh, one time I was going recruiting in the Dallas area, and I'm getting ready to go see this kid. It's a DB that I like a whole lot. And as I'm driving to the house, Coach Williams calls me and says, Heist, uh, we're not going to offer this kid that you're going to see. So I'm driving to the house, and I'm thinking, man, this, this mama done cooked for me. You know, they, they ready to get this offer from Grandma. So I, I pull up to the house, and when I get to the door, uh, the mother answers the door. I say, you know, Miss Johnson. Uh, I just I didn't want to call you and tell you this, but I just got a phone from Coach Williams, and we got a commitment from another kid that we wanted. Oh, and by the way, the kid that we wanted ended up being three times all swag. Uh, so we made the right decision. Uh, so I said, we're not going to take your son. We're not going to offer him a scholarship. So she stopped me right at the door. She said, well, there's no need for you to come in the house. She said, but hold on for a minute. <laughs> so so she said, she said, Coach, I cook for you. I'm going to give you a plate to go. So I said, okay, well, I, I waited for that plate. But, Mike, it's, it's, like they say, there's no way in West Hill I was going to eat that food. So I took the plate. <laughs> I took the plate and, and never heard back from them. And, uh, you know, the coach at the high school was sort of upset, but he understood. But, like I say, for the kid that we took, to go ahead and make all swag uh, three times, let us know we did the right thing. The, the last thing I'm going to leave with Mike. <laughs> so I, I go to uh, a house in Louisiana, and I'm, like I say, I'm, I'm on the in-home visit. So it's, it's myself and one of the assistant coaches that's from Louisiana as well. So we go to this house, and the mother... The uncle is there, and the kid is there, and the kid has a little brother. So we sitting in there talking and talking and rambling for a good little great conversation, but they have a dog, a small dog in the back of the house that's just yipping and scratching at the door. So eventually the mama says, do y'all mind if I let this dog out? So I say, I say, I don't have a problem with the dog coming out. The other coach didn't either. You know, all this type of stuff. So when the dog comes out of the the back of the house, it, the dog runs out with a pair of the mom's underwear in his mouth. Oh, like, my uh, God. <laughs> so, you know, of course, she's embarrassed, as I don't know what. And, you know, we still, you know, she running, get the underwear, go put it up. But then this takes it even further, Mike. The dog comes over and starts humping on my leg, like, unmercifully. <laughs> Humping, humping my leg, like falling, falling off. He's humping so hard. So, man, when me and Coach leave out the house, we just sit in the car and, like, we just sit there and look at each other for a minute. And we said, look here, man, we're going straight to the daiquiri shop. We're going somewhere to get us a drink. Because we needed to be, like, I, I was wondering, were we getting filmed? Or 
you know, it was one of those situations that they say, oh, my goodness. But it, oh, it was, it was like good and funny, but it made, just imagine just a little bit of dog eyes rolling back in his head is humping you so hard. But, <laughs> but yeah, man. Well, hey. I, I'm afraid to ask if the undergarment was clean or dirty, Coach. I don't know what the heck was going on hey, with that. Hey, we, we just <laughs> we started real quick, and she jumped out them blocks like she was Ben Johnson or Carl Lewis going to get her underwear. <laughs> but I, I guess the dog was saying, I'm, I'm going to show you for locking me up. I got something for you. Oh, my goodness, man. Oh, my goodness. This was too much, Coach. I thought I'd heard them all, man, but that was really, really off the chain, man. I don't know if you're telling me the whole truth or a partial truth, but whatever it is, they are so funny, man. Good night, Irene. <laughs> Coach Ice Northern, um, we might have to start calling you underdog. <laughs> hey, nah. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, thank you so much, Coach. I am the radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince. Don't forget you can follow me on X at the Mike Prince Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at the Open Mic Broadcast Network and do visit the website obnradio.com. And until the next time, you guys be blessed and we'll see you on the other side. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.